Shalom, my friends. Jim Martin coming to you once again. I know that many of my friends and family are in great distress because of the hurricane that has just impacted the Texas Gulf Coast near where many of us live. And our prayers are with those that have been devastatingly affected by that hurricane. But we need need to remember, my friends, that, that our Lord is in the storm. He doesn't always protect us from the storm, but He protects us in the storm. So, let me pray with you as we begin our resumption of our study in how do we believe and behave in Babylon. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we praise you that you are the Lord of all creation and that you can quiet the storm in our hearts as well as in the environment. We pray for your mercy upon those that have been affected and have suffered loss in this storm and in the previous storms and in the storms to come uh, and that your people would rise up and serve you by serving one another. Now, Father, help us to settle our minds and hearts and to spend some time with you in this study and to be equipped to live you, live you out, live our faith out while we live here in Babylon. These things we ask with great gratitude in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said in my pre-broadcast notes, I realize that I abruptly ended last week's lesson without telling us, okay, now what? What are we going to do? We find ourselves in Babylon. We know why. And now we say, what do we do now? How do we behave? How do we live out our belief, our faith in Babylon? We're in the first chapter of Daniel, and I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the last half of the first chapter just to get us all set up here. I'm starting in verse 11. I'm not going to rehearse last week's message. It's it's out there. Uh, go find it and uh, get the show notes, the study notes, and avail yourself of those. And we're in the last third of those show notes And we're starting in verse 11 of Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to be reading uh, for a change this morning from the New International Translation of the English Bible. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over him, over him, over Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's their Hebrew names. Please test your servants for ten days. Notice his attitude, servant attitude. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare your appearance, our appearance, with those of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine which they were to drink, 
and gave them vegetables instead, and we assume water to drink. To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And God and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them and found that there were no there were none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and so they entered the king's service. And every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. We know that Daniel remained in the king's service and in Babylon for at least 70 years. Many people think that he, his life actually ended there in Babylon, so he might have lived there longer than that. But we know from this that Daniel and his friends purposed in their hearts that they would not defile themselves, that they would trust the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they would trust him to care for them, to lead them, to make him himself known through them. And my friends, that's exactly what we pray. So what do we learn from this passage of Scripture? What do we learn about the principles by which we are to live here in 21st century Babylon? Go to your study notes and just follow along with me as we do this. And I'm picking it up on the second page where it says how to avoid becoming a Babylonian. And last last week we looked at the four-step program of assimilating the foreigners, captives, into the Babylonian culture. So how do we, how do we avoid being assimilated into the 21st century Babylonian culture? Here are some key insights. Step one, never forget who you are and to whom you belong. They changed Daniel's name and they changed Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah's names to fit the Babylonian culture, but they never changed their character. They never changed their true identity. Over in chapter 10 that we won't, won't get to in this study, the angel Gabriel calls him Daniel. Not Belteshazzar, but Daniel. Daniel had decided beforehand. He made up his mind. He purposed in his heart that he would not compromise his convictions. In verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1, we have this key phrase, but Daniel made up his mind. He purposed in his heart. My friends, we don't wait for the hurricane to hit to get ready. We, when the wind starts to blow and the, the rain is, is coming in sideways, that's not, the good, that's not the right time to get everything secured, is it? No. The right time to secure everything is far in advance. You prepare yourself for that study. Okay, that's, that's the whole principle here. And I think we, uh, we see it illustrated in spades in the storm that it hits. 
and this is not the first storm, nor will it be the last to hit our area. And people in Louisiana and all along the Gulf Coast, Florida, uh, people are sub- subject to storms, even up the East Coast, even into, uh, into New England, these hurricanes come. So when the storm is approaching, and my friends, the storm is approaching, and I'm not talking about a weather system, I'm talking about a political system. Uh, a cultural system. The co- the storm has hit. We're seeing the lead rain bands, as it were, of the anti-Christian, the anti-Jehovah storm. We see those those rain bands hitting us right now. So now is the time. If you haven't secured yourself and your family, before now, you better get after it, because the time is now. Step step one, never forget who you are and to whom you belong. Step two, firmly establish your convictions. Now, what's a conviction? A conviction is a firm commitment to living by principles, biblical principles, in spite of the potential consequences from the world. When we were raising our daughters, we had them go through a multi-step preparation for dating process. And the last step is that that they were to commit that they would not violate their personal convictions, even if it meant never dating and never marrying. Now that scared them. Uh, they they had moments of when they were they were losing a little bit of trust in their daddy, but we carried them through, and those convictions carried them through, and they entered into into God honoring marriages and have God honoring families, both of them. So firmly establish your conviction, and a conviction is something for which you are willing to suffer loss for not yielding. Recognize the implications of that condition. Don't make a conviction lightly. And it's something you'll probably have to to um, write down and maybe even have it ratified by someone very, very committed to you. Right? Realize that you will be tested in this. Daniel and his friends were tested. Expect to be tested. When you have a conviction that you will not violate, expect to be tested. I assure you, it will come. And so what did Daniel do? Look at his attitude. He sought permission from the commander, from the chief of the, the, the chief guard there. Daniel didn't, was not belligerent. He, he was not disrespectful of the authority that God had put up. He might not have agreed with it, but he was not disrespectful of it. Daniel explained his convictions. Now, God granted favor in verse 9 of chapter 1 God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials expect God to work in the hearts of the people that uh, you're under in authority that you've surrendered submitted to their authority expect God to be working in them and don't be demanding that they see things your way expect God to be changing their heart step 3 and how to avoid becoming a Babylonian, is to seek God's favor. 
seek his grace. What's his grace? Is it his unmerited favor? Yes, but we've learned it's much more than that, right? It is that dynamic force from God that equips the believer and instills within the believer, the recipient, the desire and the ability to do his will. So seek his grace and allow him to work in the hearts of those authorities. And go over to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. Uh, The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. He turns it like rivers of water, whichever way he desires. All right, the the next uh, step in this process is to learn your authority's goals. What is it they're really after? They may be asking you to violate your convictions, but what are they really seeking? I guarantee you, Nebuchadnezzar did not really care anything about Jehovah. He just wanted people to help him run the kingdom. That's all he cared about. Now, if you, and, and people today, uh, God, godless authorities today may not care one whit about your being a Christian. All they care about is whether you can do the job. And so, what do we do? Fold our hands against our chest and say, No, I'm not going to work for you, you filthy pagan. No, we're not going to do that, are we? No, we are going to say, Yes. I will do the utmost of my ability to be an excellent employee and look for every chance to honor God quietly, discreetly, reverently. Look, learn your authority's goals. Verse 10 of chapter 1 reveals the official's concern for for his own life so that Nebuchadnezzar had one goal, the, the chief guard had another goal, and that was to keep his head firmly attached to his shoulders, and he knew that if he failed to prepare Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and and Mishael for service, then his head would roll. He knew that. If he failed in his job, his future was really, really dark and short. Okay, so Daniel offered a creative alternative. Now, very few of us, especially that live in Texas, would... would, uh, offer the alternative of becoming a vegetarian. But for Daniel and his friends to have a plate full of pork chops and a, uh, you know, uh, uh, or a cheeseburger, bacon cheeseburger, <laughs> that wasn't on their menu. So they had, they had to decide. They weren't going to defile themselves. They were not going to defile themselves by their uh, diet. Just to, just to please their diet, they were they were gonna that this was the thing that God had commanded them to do. So they said, no, uh, tell you what, just feed us vegetables and water, and let's see, leave the decision up to the official. That's what they did, and, and you trust in God's faithfulness. the The test was not uh, a long test; it was a very short duration, ten days. Right? You say, what can, what can happen in 10 days? Well, if God's in charge, and if He's at work, a great deal can happen in 10 days. And indeed, it did. Uh, the, you know, the evaluation of the results was left up to the official. Daniel and his friends didn't grade their own test. The result, of course, was that they prospered because God was in charge. God was 
looking after their welfare, their health, their appearance even. The men prospered by obeying God rather than men. Oh, my goodness. What does Psalm 1 say? That we shall be like a... We that that, that uh, meditate day and night on the law of the Lord, that we delight in His law. We shall be like trees planted by rivers of water that bring forth our fruit in our season, that our leaf even doesn't, doesn't wither, and that whatever we do will prosper. Oh my goodness, my friends. What a promise. Who else can can guarantee you that you're going to prosper? Now, I will put a, put a note in here. Sidebar, prosperity does not equal wealth, necessarily. Alright, prosperity says that, that you are reproducing in the kingdom of God manyfold. This is prosperity. You're looking after yourself. You're looking after your family. You're looking after the the work of the kingdom, and you're looking after people in need. Oh, that that's the way it's it's working in God's kingdom. Okay, then the next step is equip yourself to serve. Daniel and his friends did learn the 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 culture of Babylon. Yeah, they went to to Babylon University. They did, and they excelled. Magna cum laude, summa cum laude, whatever the cum laude. I graduated, praise you, Lord. That's the way I graduated. They learned the culture of Babylon. They learned uh, its literature, science, and mathematics. They didn't necessarily agree with the culture or what was written in the, the literature. I have five, we have five grandsons that are in university or graduate school right now. And I wrote them at the beginning of the term this time. I said, all truth is God's truth. But take note that not everything you're being taught is truth. And so what you need is discernment. And you get that from God and from knowing His Word. So yes, you can learn the literature and the culture of Babylon, but you don't have to be assimilated into it, right? You need to discern what's truth and what is fake truth or a lie. All right. The purpose of education. Let me reiterate this. This is something I, I wrote down decades ago. The purpose of education is to equip you with the skills, the understanding, and the discernment. The, the skills that you will require for your life, work, and ministry. That's the purpose of going to school. So many of the kids saying, why do I have to go to school? They're not teaching me anything. Well, if they're not teaching anything, it's, you anything, it's probably not, your, not their fault. It's that you have to examine yourself. Do you have a learner's heart? Are you equipped with discernment to sort out what's true and what's not? All right. The culture may not may not have that purpose of equipping you with the skills that you need for your life, work, and ministry. But you have to have that. It's not the culture's job, not their responsibility to, to equip you. It's your responsibility to be equipped. And when you do that, when you're in doing so, you can show God's excellence through your work. This is so important. Equip yourself to serve. My goodness. So, let's close this broadcast, this podcast. You th- so, you think you're in Babylon? 
Well, if you don't know that you're in Babylon, you're not paying attention. Okay? That's just the, that's just the bottom line of it all. You're not paying attention. You and I are living in Babylon right here in the United States or in Africa or in Eastern or Western Europe or in South America, Central America, wherever you're listening to this, we are in Babylon. And it's going to get worse in that case. This is the storm. What are we going to do? Just lay down and die? That's not going to glorify God. We must stand in the truth against the flood and glorify God in everything. Here's what we do, my, my friends. Number one, commit yourself to the Lord before temptation presents itself. Temptation to to compromise your faith will present itself. Count on it. It's going to happen. Just commit yourself to the Lord before it happens. Make up your mind now, not then, not in the midst of the storm. Prepare yourself right now. Secondly, learn everything you can, but keep it in context of biblical truth. Again, I will state it again. All truth is God's truth, but not everything you're exposed to is truth. So we have to have discernment, and that is a product of God's grace. That desire and ability to do His will, that supernatural insight into what is truth and what is error. Discernment's required to sort it out. The Holy Spirit and knowledge of His Word are paramount there. Commit to applying what you learn, what you learn to advance and build up the kingdom of God where you are planted. My friends, we must weather the storm, whether it's a weather system or a cultural paradigm. We must weather the storm. Are you ready? Pray with me. Father God, we come to you once again dressed in the righteousness of Jesus alone. And I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for uh, the grace that you poured out upon Daniel, on Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to live according to the truth that you had implanted within their souls. That you gave them the wisdom to present a creative alternative and to leave the decision to the authority that you had ordained. We sometimes wonder, Lord, why we're living under such authority. But we know that, it, that you are the one that ordains it, that sustains it, and that will use it to glorify your name and to build up your servants, so that we might serve you with integrity and excellence. Now, Lord, again, we pray for your mercy and for your provision and protection upon those that are weathering the physical storm on the Gulf Coast and elsewhere. People that are fighting the fires in the west and the floods in the east and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. Oh, my Lord, these are the times that you warned us about. Help us to be strong, to prepare ourselves, to stand against the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with us all now 
and forevermore. Shalom, my friends. Shalom.